yeah, she chewed scenes up even when they were together. I was, I couldn't stop looking at her like on the mountaintop when they were going after the dragon and not for obviously. She's, <laughs> I look over and so Ian's like had this knee jerk reaction of, well, you, uh, I don't need to yeah, know about course, that. Of course, <laughs> can, of course you can stop looking. Well, no, I, and yes, she's beautiful, right? Hello and welcome back to the What's the Verdict podcast. I'm JJ, your host. I'm here with my co-hosts, Javier. What's up, jerks? Matson. Better red than dead. And Ian. Say some shit. All right, so today we are going to talk about The Witcher TV show. To get started, as usual, let's just kind of give a brief synopsis. Obviously, The Witcher is uh, Henry Cavill playing Geralt of Rivia. Dude, I didn't realize it was Henry Cavill for the entire what? first time. Really? Yeah, I didn't recognize him. <laughs> It was, that, it was that white wig. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> he didn't have a CGI'd upper lip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it this looked is, like normal when he was talking. <laughs> yeah, so he is the Witcher. He's a monster killer, mutant, all around nice and not nice at the same time guy. So it's his story from front to back, plus the addition of uh, Yennefer Vengerberg, her story, um, which is very interesting, and then of course Siri or Cirilla. So we'll talk about this in in detail. I I'll be honest, guys, just up front, um, I really enjoyed this show. I didn't think I was going to. Because I've been through the books. I've been through the first two games at the time. Um, I, I always worry about stuff that's based on books that I love. I really do. Yeah, and so man. I was a little concerned. But I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed just to get out there. Henry Cavill's performance. We'll talk about that more here in a minute. But yeah, that's my thing. I like this show. What would you guys think? Um, I think I'll I'll talk next. Because I probably had the most. I didn't know anything about The Witcher at all. I didn't. I knew it was a video game. But I only knew that because someone told me. And I remember like, oh, it's a video game. I didn't know there were short stories i didn't know mm -hmm. anything and i don't even remember who told me to watch it but i was looking for something on netflix boom turned it on found out javier has been watching we talked about it a little bit and just got totally sucked into this story was really excited that i could just binge watch it i think i watched it in like two days yeah. um very very entertaining i was also extremely confused and i'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit later because i, I didn't everyone I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of this stuff and we'll get to that later but overall very impressed and excited to kind of dive in yeah i'm gonna echo Matson, like I knew that the games existed. I've probably played like 15 minutes of the first game and then kind of got bored, gave up. I didn't know that there were short stories or books. Um, so he gets bored a lot. I do. <laughs> he does. <laughs> short attention span. Um, but I really like to show because you don't have to have played the games or have read the books or short stories. Fair point. To really like get the story and really enjoy the story. But I've also heard that it's really rewarding for people who have read the books mm -hmm. and do have that like background to it. So I really like that. That it caters to both audiences. So that's, that's a good point. That's funny that you say that because I started watching this and thought I have no idea what's going on. So I got to go back and read the book. <laughs> and so that's what I ended up doing is um, so I've read the first uh, book or well, depending on how you look at the, the order. But um, I enjoyed elements of the show. I can't say that it was a home run for me. I know I'm going to be that guy. Uh, <laughs> it's good. So, we need one. Yeah, there's got to be at least one of yeah, those. I think I'm, I think I'm going to be closer to Ian than, than these two. Oh, okay. See, that's good to hear. Me too. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. I, I, like I said, I enjoyed elements of it, but there were definitely times where I was like, is this really how I want to spend my time? Or can I fast forward <laughs> kind of like a little bit? So can anyways. I get this out here? The, my biggest, I'm just going to get it out 
it right away. My biggest knock is could the producers have just put in maybe a date or any mm. form? I think I already I talked agreed, to you guys about yeah. that. Just give me a date. Let me know that, hey, we have three different stories all culminating together. I had the, it was after this, the third or fourth episode. I literally had to Google and look up what's the law of surprise? What's all yeah. these other things? And then I was like, oh, and then I was like, I like this now. But yeah. to me, that is a huge knock because I, as a viewer, had to do that myself. If you're making a series, you need to be doing that for me because that's a turnoff. Some people may have just stopped because they were so confused. I read comment after comment of people that did the same thing I did and were like, mm -hmm. all right, that's fine. But you should not have to do I that. I mean, to be fair, it doesn't hold your hand through the series. But if you just, you know, like listen to the fucking dialogue, you understand <laughs> what's going on. No, like, I'm going to hear Javier no, okay. about the details. No, he's all being a, a dick. <laughs> no, I mean, he's kind of being a dick, but I'm also going to put myself in the middle because I don't disagree. I think there should have been something, right? So when I started watching it, I was actually shocked because I went, oh shit, they're starting with the short stories. I didn't expect that because as a book reader, I was like, I figured they'd jump right into book one, the actual uh -huh. novelization one, and then maybe do some backtracking to show how they got there. But I, so when they first start off and the first person you meet is Renfrey and he's killing the Kikimura, I'm like, oh shit, they're going for it right into the short stories. I was like, I love this. But then, so I was never confused because I'd read the books, all the short stories up and through the novels. So I was like, oh, this is a cool place to start. But then when they jump immediately to series timeline, I was like, whoa, they should have put something there. Not for me. I don't care. I get it. But I'm watching it with Casey going, or I'm watching it, expecting to watch it later with Casey going, she's not, I'm going to have to explain this shit mm -hmm. because she's not going to yep. know who's this girl. Why is she? And I'm like, yeah, now I got to tell you, this is two different timelines. And then they, of course, really fuck it up when they throw in Yennefer's timeline, which is even further back. Isn't it like 90 years? Like Yennefer's is like 30 years. And then series is like two or three weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. It, so series is very short. Like it's not, I don't even know if it's three weeks. It's very, very short. And they kind of twist it a little, but yeah, Yennefer's goes way back because Yennefer's old. Um, she's not the oldest sorceress by a long she shot. Don't look old. No, I know. But she, her <laughs> she story, very well. Very well. Um, or not at all. That's the case actually. is. But yeah, so in the, her story starts way back, long before anything else. So it's a very interesting way to go. I don't disagree with what Matson's saying either. I'm not asking for much, but I think that's, to me, that's a knock. They should have foreseen something like that. But beyond that, like, I don't, don't disagree either, but they give you good like time points that they base things off of. Like before or after the sack of that city <laughs> or like Jennifer drops that she's been in courts for a decade. Like yeah. they help you understand like where you're at. There's so, some of that in there, yeah. Casey made a good point to me when, we, when she watched it. So my second run through was to watch it with her and part of that was i wanted to see what second run oh god through. here we go <laughs> yes i i okay have, are, have you watched a third run no. through already no i haven't he's like okay. i'm not one to rewatch stuff <laughs> i i that's fair i misspoke in the last episode i'm not one to rewatch shit i don't like let me rephrase I mean, no one is no i know but here's the thing is, there's not a lot of things that i like enough to rewatch we just happened to review two things in a row that I liked well enough to rewatch. I watched 1917 twice for the sake of this podcast. Fuck me. Give me that two and a half hours back. <laughs> I would never have watched it a second Sorry, time. That was five hours back. That was a, watched it no shit. That was a pterodactyl flying through. <laughs> but with this, it was so I'm watching it with Casey, and and she told me when we, when you get to the scene in Sintra where you realize that Siri is Pavetta's daughter, that's when she goes, "If you hadn't told me before we started the show, I would not have figured out that there were different timelines until that moment." 
honestly, for a second, I didn't know those were two separate people. Oh, you, the yeah, daughter and the looks, granddaughter? Yeah. yeah, Pavetta is Siri's mom. Yeah. You're okay. just now, uh, we've educated mm-hmm. you No, today. no, no. I, I figured that out in the show. Oh. But like during that dinner scene, when you see, what, what's her name? Oh, Pavetta. Pavetta. I was like, oh, what is Siri doing? Because like, oh. <laughs> that's what really confused me. I was like, oh, this is a flashback. I'm like, But it's not because she's still the same age. That threw me through a loop, man. And I, I think they could have avoided that with just a, a timeline reference. Let's so. jump into the the kind of character progression and everything. I feel pretty passionate about this. I'm someone that loves Henry Carvel. Like I, I loved him in Superman. Yeah. I loved him in The Man from Uncle. Um, Can we establish this real quick? Is it Cavill? Cavill. Carvel. Ca- Cavill. Cavill. Thank you for correcting me, Henry. If you listen to this ever, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's listening right <laughs> yeah. now, actually. <laughs> listen to these crazy bastards. For me, a man of a character or a man of, of not very many words. That's what I really take away from this. I, I read something. What I don't know if it was you guys talking to me over something I read online. He said it might have been Javier saying this. He says more in a grunt than than anyone says in like numerous amounts of dialogue. My wife really likes the the TV series. Oh, oh gosh, Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls, oh. where they talk like excessively. This is literally the exact opposite with this character, mm-hmm. where he'll say like a one liner or like a sentence, like roll and then eyes. you just <laughs> you just know you're just like bam. And I thought he was casted perfectly for that. And obviously his physique fits into the character. But as the movie goes along, you start to understand where his mind's at, what's happened to him. And those those simple phrases he gives mean so much more to you. And I just thought through his body language, his facial expressions, his grunting, that you understood him in a way that I don't know if other characters or actors could have, could have portrayed that to me. I was just extremely impressed in how he was able to give so much by giving us so little. Interesting that you bring that up, Matson, because I was reading an article where they were talking to the directors and the producers of this show. The When they first wrote the scripts for it, they hadn't yet 100% cast Henry Cavill. Like he was always in the top of where they wanted to be. And he fought to get the role because he's actually a gamer, which makes mm. me like him even oh, more. I did not know that. Yeah, he's that. a huge gamer. If you watch his interviews, like they all ask him about it. He's like, I've played these games multiple times through. And he fought to get this role because he loved the character of Geralt so much in these games. So I, I really like that. But the, the reason I say that is a producer was talking about the, the scripting was huge. And he's very expositional in the books. He talks a lot, actually, in he the does. book. Oh, you um, did mention. That's okay. Yeah, he talks right. a ton in the books. And and Henry Cavill knew that. He's read the books. He's played the games. He talks a shit ton. But then in this show, they'd written the script to have a lot of that exposition and the talking that he does. And then they cut the script back because Henry Cavill was so good at not saying anything and still portraying the message that they literally changed the whole they script changed it for him, for him wow, because cool. he did so good. That's awesome. They were like, we don't need all this shit because he just grunted and we all know what he meant. <laughs> yeah. and, and we don't have to go any further. And so, yeah, I love that too. He grunts and it's every emotion. It's not, he grunts when he's pissed. He grunts when he's happy, when he likes something, when he's laughing. It's a grunt and you're like, oh, he's laughing at him right now. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. That's one of my favorite parts of this show too. I think the coolest parts of like the, the, the character is the the morality that's being called into question. People are trying to be clever about the morality of stuff, but I thought they did a really good job uh, with Geralt because in the very beginning, one of his lines is, if I have to choose between two evils, I'd rather not make a decision. Let me interrupt you real quick because we're actually one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, Ian brought this up and sent me a text last night. So I'm going to read the quote that you're, you're okay, referencing yeah. and then we'll talk about it. So he says, evil is evil, Stregobor. Lesser, greater, middling. It's all the same. 
I'm not judging you. I haven't only done good in my life either. But now, if I have to choose between one evil and another, then I prefer not to choose at all. Yeah, like I think that is a great like point, right? Like mm-hmm. a great moral stance. And from what I understand in the short stories, he's constantly making the, that moral choice. Like there are often times where he's not killing monsters yeah. in these short yeah. stories. And instead he's like befriending them or letting them go because he believes that they are, they're, they're sentient. Like they understand what's going on and it would be immoral to kill this thing. Yeah. And I just love the idea that he's demonized through this entire universe as being just this reckless, crazy witcher. But really he has this internal battle of what's right and what's wrong. See, and I, I mentioned that I liked elements of this show and that's one of those elements that I liked is that, that morality question. In fact, I've rewatched the first episode a couple of times because I think that's been my favorite one so far. And I really like that kind of question about how do you approach thing is evil evil or is there such thing as a lesser evil and that's something i wanted to kind of ask you guys is like how do you line up with what this character the witcher is um kind of putting down with that line is evil evil or is is there such thing as a lesser evil Ooh, now we're getting philosophical yeah i love it so this reminds me of like like that those bumper stickers like war what is it good for right mm, yeah. and i always love reading those because i'm like well i don't know like war has you know stopped the onslaught of hitler and several other dictators it stopped genocides and so like war is good for something war is served a good purpose so i think there are higher and lesser evils for that that's what i i I know you believe this so a little insight about javier we were working together he came into work one day and brought in this (laughs) phrase to me that hey i was just thinking about this if if you kill one murderer there still is a murderer but if you equal number of murderers but if you kill two murderers there's one less you've murder. done a service yeah. to society so <laughs> let me let me just give you a glimpse into his mind but actually when as we were talking about this that's a phrase that popped in my mind i am definitely someone i think i'm going to take if there's a lesser of two evils in my life i've seen in this world you have to make a decision and and that's what the witcher i think we see as he progresses further he's been forced to make choices and for me that's what I see in life where I'm going to have to pick something. And for me, I'm probably going to default to what what I view as the lesser evil and hope it works out. On the other side of that coin, that means that there are also higher and lesser goods that you can choose a lower sure, good yeah, and true. a better good. I, I think most people believe that to be true. I agree sure. with that. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little insight too about the show and the books. So one of the things that they leave out of the show that I find, it's not disappointing because I, I think they did a very good job with Renfrey's story and how they introduced, you know, that moral, he didn't want to make a choice and he told both Stregobor and Renfrey, I'm not making this choice. You guys figure it out yourselves. In the books, something they don't show in this in the show is they tell this story of a, a sorcerer, and I can't remember his name, but there was an ultimatum put to him by a town. And one of the things with these sorcerers is when they're in a town, they have to do everything in their power to protect the people of the town, no matter what. They have no choice. That's their sentence by being part of, you know, the king's right hand or the whoever. They have to protect the people of this town or the city. Ah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so they and they don't explain that. Well, what they did was is these this villain put towards this old sorcerer an ultimatum said you can either come out and fight me or I'm going to destroy everyone in this city until you do. And so now he's got a choice: I either live or I follow my edict of protecting everyone. And they called it whatever this sorcerer's name's ultimatum. And so she Renfrey tells him this story in the woods in the book when they meet and talks about this thing. And then she puts that same thing to him. You don't see that what's going getting ready to happen when he attacks her men is there 
getting ready to slaughter everyone in this city yeah. to pull oh, Stregobor out. So if they'd explained that a little better, you'd have even more. They forced his hand, both of them. So Stregobor was never going to come out because Stregobor was kind of a dick. Even in the books, he's kind of an asshole. So he wasn't going to come out because he wasn't going to get himself killed. Um, Renfrey was going to kill the entire town of Blaviken in order to draw Stregobor out so that she could kill him. That's where she was when Geralt was killing all her men. She was at Stregobor's palace trying to get him out, waiting for him to come out so they could fight. Giving him that ultimatum. Yeah, and so that's why she came back yeah, after all that. That makes so, so much more sense. Yeah. So I'm like, he's been in this position before. You literally just explained that he's been in brawls where he hasn't yeah. killed people. Yeah. Yep. And so they forced his hand knowing he had to choose. Now he has to choose. And I like to think of it just like you said, Javier. I think he, I like to think of it, he chose the greater good because otherwise all of these town folk were going to die. Yep. So he chose to ch keep them alive, even though he hated it to the point that he wouldn't even let Stregobor touch Renfrey after he just got done killing her. And even, even in the book, it talks about he, he doesn't know why he wouldn't let him get after her body, but he wouldn't. So it was really interesting context to add to that scene. Makes it a little more powerful, in my opinion, because he was forced to do something he was trying really hard not to do. And from there on, you can watch those decisions get easier for him. He doesn't ever try to set a hard line in the sand. He just says, okay, I'm going to do it because someone's going to force me to if I don't. Yeah. I think it comes back to Javier. So now there, Henry Cavill was the, the Witcher was the one murderer as opposed to you know, six or seven. Right, exactly. Seven, so yeah. he did a service. He did a yeah. service. Yeah. Like exactly. Six or seven the, murders. Yeah, the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. So we've definitely. It's a net positive, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're in the you're in the black. <laughs> so we've definitely covered. There's some serious moral ground and some great acting that leads you through. Let's talk about the visuals of the show because I really enjoyed them. But I want to hear what you guys think as you're watching this visually. What is this? Has this show done for you? I mean, I'm gonna just say it. I thought the the platinum wig was the only visual I really didn't like. I thought honestly, I'm just gonna say it. It was a fail. I don't know what they were thinking. That's yeah. my only knock. Um, everything else, I mean, TGI of some of these monsters was incredible. Yeah, I feel like the visuals really fit what they were going for dark kind of grimy um, at times but then also elegant and pretty classy i yeah, think is the term classy. <laughs> pretty, pretty classy that we've used before um i think they did a really good job at taking you into different parts of the world um whether it be slaying a monster or some extravagant you know party uh, i think they did really well with the visuals like what you were saying how they can change from being like grimy and dirty to being like on a mountaintop and it's like wide and pretty and then being in in like a like a, a dining hall uh, where it's very pretty and elegant like i thought it was really cool how they could kind of change between all of those things yeah and he kind of fits the format right so he he'll change himself even though he didn't want to and everybody's always busting his chops about his clothes <laughs> i love that but you need some new clothes and he's just like oh god shut up <laughs> and then they force him into the, the dinner and he's in that doublet and he's just like so pissed the Dude, whole time. i love how he's always like clock blocking the bard <laughs> bard's like trying to sell these stories he's like that didn't happen for me visually i think they started it off right because the first thing you see is like this just dirty grimy scary swamp and then out pops this giant kikamora spider looking slug with a giant face and some gnarly teeth and then here comes henry cavill looking like a wraith almost with yeah. his black eyes and his you know the he's taking this potion that's making him superhuman in a way so i really enjoyed that that's the first thing that you see and then it goes right in 
into, you know, this very tense bar scene that's visually cool because you feel like you're in that bar. Um, and then the visuals of the fights, I love that. So I, this might be another thing that you guys knew or didn't know, but Henry Cavill trained for like eight months for this show and he did every single stunt himself because, and he said, I picked it up from Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible yeah. because he's like, I watched him do this and then you watch the movie and it pays off visually. Did he, did Cavill not do his own stunts in Mission Impossible? So he did some of them, but not all of them. Oh, okay. um, he, he said he didn't start doing 100% until this show. Oh, and that's, so every sword fight that, especially for me, the Renfrey sword fight oh, and those so guys that he was good. fighting was so one of the good. coolest sword fights I've ever seen in all of cinema, TV, whatever. Oh, very cool. And he did all of that himself because he's like, I want it so that we don't have to edit it around me and, and a stunt guy. He said, I wanted it to, I could turn and do these moves and it was me the whole time. So visually to me, I really loved that he committed that hard because you could just believe that he's doing everything because he is. So I really like that. It's not like effects or anything, but I just love the continuity that, that gave to the show. I think the other visual I liked is just his character and the aura around it, how the crowds reacted, the people mm -hmm. and all the scenes he was in and just how he was just a boss Yeah, and how he carried himself. And I, I think that to me, that was part of the visuals because he was always the focal point of that. And then also bringing Yennefer in there and how uh, both of them in, in these scenes and how they, they interacted with the land, the environment, they were always carrying the focal point there. And I thought the production did a great job. So moving from from visuals, and, and you just mentioned Yennefer Matson. So let's talk about the acting because, you know, we talked a little bit about the overall of the show and the impact that it had. But I also feel like when it came to acting and I really love this actress when I first came into it and I heard who it was. And this is probably, aside from Geralt, the most important character in these stories. They haven't showed that all around yet in the in the show because it's getting to know who they are. But if you've read the books or played the games at all, you know that this is, Yennefer is like it for Geralt, his girl, right? So, and you can see that in the show, but I was worried when they when I heard the casting. I don't even know who this is. Like, this is an important part. Is this going to really impact? But I don't feel she did. I felt like she was probably, to me, the highlight of the acting in the show. Besides the fact that Geralt can deliver a grunt and say everything that needs to be said. <laughs> Do we know what she was in before this? I have no idea. Oh, I've wow. even like I, I haven't even IMD beat her, which I should have. Um, but I know her name's Anya Chilada because it's like the coolest name oh, that is cool. ever. Yeah, I think she really rose to the occasion, especially with a super high caliber actor like Henry Cavill. I thought she matched him super well. Yeah, she chewed scenes up even when they were together. I was, I couldn't stop looking at her like on the mountaintop when they were going after the dragon and not for obviously she's, <laughs> I look over and so Ian's like had this knee jerk reaction of, well, yeah. you, uh, I don't need to yeah, know about course, that. Of course, <laughs> of course you can stop looking. Well, no, I, and yes, she's beautiful, right? Her presence on screen was very impactful to me. Like there's all these people she's with on the mountain. You got the dwarves who are funny as hell. You got these weirdos that are trying to kill everybody and then you got Geralt himself and then this you know three jackdaws guy and all I could do was follow her story with this idiot knight and then she's all pissed off because he gets killed it was great I just love her, her acting difference to others that were beneath her but her respect for herself and confidence in herself and what she could do and I was she was just like I'm gonna live the, the life that I want to live and that's I think part of the story was she thought she wanted to be in court mm -hmm. and wanted th this life that she took. And and then later on, we find out it wasn't what she wanted. And we're fi she's figuring out, we're figuring out that what's what's more to her, what's next for her. And I think she carried that progression extremely well. I saw her mm -hmm. as the confident in power, um, but also character at war with herself. I also said because they were also very revealing with her character. Yes. And, and <laughs> like, Arthur gets some of those Literally or metaphorically. 
Both. <laughs> <laughs> like while we're on the topic, that is one thing that's actually kind of hard for me with like Netflix shows mm-hmm. is sex scenes are fine, I guess, if they have a purpose. I feel like a lot of times they just don't have a purpose. To be fair, in The Witcher, I think there are a couple that, you know, like, sure, yeah, they definitely should. Like between when Witcher and Yennefer, they like bang it out right after uh, yeah, the, the tower. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I get that, why that was important to, that we understand, okay, this is the next step of their relationship. Well, yeah, that, and there, there's the wish, you know, his last wish taking its first, rearing its ugly head, so... Oh. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they were just sitting there and, you know, you wouldn't, I mean, obviously human nature is that's a natural, whether we want to admit it or not, that kind of a high stress situation. Hi, let's relieve some of that stress. But it also was the first step in that, hey, he just made a wish that connected them. Yeah. So how are they not going to, right? Sure. And so that's what I'm saying. There are some that are like, I get why they're necessary. There are other ones though, dude, where I'm like, there, you walk into this massive orgy. I'm like, did <laughs> yeah. this did this progress Jennifer's character? I don't like, did I miss something there? Because I feel like that was just like, boom, here's some sex for you guys. Um, it's definitely out of character from the book. Like th- that doesn't happen in the book for her. Um, like they don't ever show that. But I also liked it because it's hard in the book. You can they have some descriptions of her conversations with Geralt where you kind of get that she's bored all the time. She's just bored and she's a little twisted. And so I a think, little. Well, yeah, yeah dude, she's, she's straight up so <laughs> Yeah, she's she's got some issues, but she's bored. That's her big thing. And so for me, I really thought that that kind of showed there's that boredom. But I I just I loved because the books don't give you a basis of where she comes from in that depth. So I really liked that addition to the show. Um, she wasn't just a character that is a huge part of Geralt's life and the in series life even further down the line. But I love that you get that background of where she comes from and how she got there. So I, I just, and I love the way the actress portrayed it. Let's talk real briefly about sound and then we'll wrap up. So audio stuff. Obviously the music for me didn't wasn't memorable. I don't even remember... Obviously, I remember I mean, they throw a coin song. to your Witcher, right? They throw a oh, coin throw to your Witcher, coin, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's everywhere now, and it's catchy. Like I was laughing the whole time because he's so pissed. He's sitting at the horse after, and he, he's walking down the road singing the song, and Geralt's just like, "You motherfucker, <laughs> shut the fuck up!" But so I do remember that part. But it's it, very like Shrek and honestly, kind of relationship. Like, the thing I remember the most is I wanted to say this earlier with his his one liners is. For me, the sound is just when his one-liners of just saying the F word and just like oh, yeah. the scenes where that's literally like all he said and they mm. juxtaposed what was happening and just that was like the sound of the movie for me and then like shrieking of scary monsters. That is yeah. true. Like yeah. what would make the Witcher just like feel like fuck? Oh yeah. yeah. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah. That's like There's a YouTube video of someone that has edited all the grunts and Fox and it's just great to watch. And my favorite is when he, when he was that a sex scene? No. <laughs> It could have been yeah. <laughs> one-sided sex right now. <laughs> <laughs> The red's like, coming through. Who the fuck am I sitting with? <laughs> the, yeah, no, I love the one in the at the end when he when he calls the law of surprise, thinking he's nothing's gonna happen, and then it turns out that um, she's pregnant, and he's like, "Fuck," and, and just, just walks leaves. away. <laughs> I love that. It's just so like, I'll deal with this later. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Yeah, he does. I do love that. That's a good point. That's I did like that. the intro music as well. Like, I feel like uh, that really uh-huh. set the tone for coming into an I episode. Really? I, I felt like it, I kind of felt like it came from 
the games a little bit and it kind did. of a throwback to that. So. It did have that feel because especially the third game because it's got these intro scenes. As you anytime you restart your game, it gives you a quick synopsis of where you're at in your save. It's kind of cool that way. Yeah, cool. So dandelion or in the show the bard, I mean Jasker, Jasker or something, Jasker or something like that. I can never, I don't know why they changed his name. He's dandelion in the books and in the show or in the game. There's a handful of those changes that I just didn't. Yeah, there was some that were just a little weird. But Yaskir is his name in the show, I think. But he's telling the story of where you're at. And I really, I do remember the music in the intro. But I love the intro is visuals too, like where each one has the different symbol yeah, that, that kind of represents cool. what's going to happen in that show, that episode. And then at the end, they all turn into the right. big Witcher symbol. I thought that was badass. That's pretty cool. So, but I love the sound from uh, the Striga when oh, and he's so in the castle and the and dude like echoes. Yeah, and he's got the guy tied to the bed, and all of a sudden you just hear this thump and then the screech, and I'm like, "You're so fucked." Yeah. I did love that. All the monsters like were pretty cool sounded. I um, thought they did a good job at like having those sounds and the music and things like just getting really exciting, and then things just being silent. Like there are times yeah. when he's hunting the streak, and it's just yeah. That's what I think. I remember there wasn't. A lot of movies they'll add music to that, but I think yeah. it was the absence of that music and just the raw sound of the the sword or the shriek or footsteps that yeah. stuck out to me. Cool. All right, so let's uh, let's do our ratings. We talked a lot. We could talk forever about this show, but uh, we're getting pretty long winded at this point. So let's wrap up. We'll go around the room and uh, do our rankings. We started with you, Javier, last time. I'll start with me this time. Okay. Um, I enjoyed the show. Um, I think part of it came from how much I knew about the story before. I think it really dictated how much I liked the show. I think it was well done either way, but I was very swayed by what I already knew and how well they portrayed a lot of that information. So for me, my rating, I'd give it an eight. Um, there were a couple of things that I think were unnecessary and I think they changed some things that they didn't need to that would have actually and left some things out like the story with Renfrey. I think just a couple of lines that explain where that came from and why that was so impactful beyond the obvious. I think it could have added a little bit more to the story. So I think those things take me from down to an eight. But that's where I'm at. Would you Ian. watch it again? Uh, I am going to once I finish the third game <laughs> just to refresh myself. Um, for me, my rating kind of bounces around. So overall, I probably do maybe a six. That might be a little low for some, but that's super low. That's not to say there weren't elements that I liked. Like that first, again, that first episode, the sword fight scene. I really liked Renfrey's character. I was sad that that had to end so quickly because I think she played her very well for how little the part was. So there were parts for me that were maybe an eight, but overall a six. Would I watch it again? I might actually, even though it's a six, I think I would watch it again just to pick up more details um, to better understand the timelines and how all those fit together. Uh, for me, it's Matson again. I'm a little bit of a yin-yang as well, like Ian. I think I'm going to go probably solid seven again. Uh, my biggest knock that you guys heard me talk about at the beginning was just the confusion. I didn't, I was coming to this completely blind, um, having to solve some of those things and look them up, all, albeit it, it added more to the story for me, but I was confused until like the fourth episode. I'm extremely excited for the next season. I think there's a lot more to build on. And I think now knowing what I'm getting into, I expect my rating to go much higher for the second season. I'm very hopeful about that. Uh, but for some of the areas of confusion and just not understanding, I think seven fits for me. What, what do I watch it again? Like Ian, I definitely would. I There are episodes I'm, I'm going to go back to and watch, especially building up for the second season when it does come out. Yeah. Uh, you can bet your bottom dollar I will watch again. Yeah, I, um, I'd probably give it like an eight. 8.5 like JJ like I really liked it there it's long like yeah. it, it's a long yeah. series long yeah, episodes long. 
So that, like, as much as I did like it, I probably wouldn't watch it again just because it's kind of a time commitment. And it depends on when the next season comes out. I may have to watch it again because I don't. Sure. I'm not going to really remember. Retention. So, yeah. like, so like if I, I would watch it again, but I probably won't just because it's so long. I feel like I'll watch a couple episodes just to yeah. prep and, and yeah, remember. Or, or if someone puts out an amazing, like, 30-minute blend in of prepping me for the next season, certainly we'll watch that and yeah. really remember. The hard thing about... Rewatch. You don't even have to like rewatch some of this because it's just a, a piecing everything together at the very end. So it's mm-hmm. almost like just give me a thirty-minute blend again, and I right. know right where we're at. Right. Just so. give. Yeah, that's so true. Like then, you could totally do a thirty-minute like synopsis. And maybe that's why it's hard to say rewatch because it's it doesn't all the episodes individually don't really drive home the story, but it all of them together kind of do, but. That's like eight hours. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and I say that just because, like, I get the characters now, and, and yeah. I feel like most of the series is establishing who the characters are and what they're Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Yeah. I just yeah. need a refresh of what the like plot points are mm-hmm. of where I'm at. So. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. So overall, pretty positive ratings. Um, definitely, in a lot of ways, rewatchable, but could condense it down. Sounds like, which makes sense. Even I could agree with that. There's some lengthy parts. So cool. Um, overall, I think go watch The Witcher. If you haven't yet. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thanks, guys. Till next time. That's the verdict.